Hello. The episode you're about to watch has some slight audio problems due to, let's just say, some technical difficulties. Uh, I will apologize for this ahead of time, but please enjoy the episode anyway. Welcome to Functions. My name is Mac Blackman, and I am joined by Ile Ture. Hello, Ile. Hi, Mac. Oh, it's been fun trying to get this podcast back. <laughs> if only we had an app that could organize our time for us. Oh, only if we did Cron Calendar, um, Apple Calendar, any calendar. <laughs> yeah, I'm allergic to calendar apps at the moment. Sorry. Um, I've, uh, do you know what's funny? When I initially started planning this episode, I put in the the notes, the show notes. Um, Obi, uh, Obi, Adobe adds AI power to things, and then that's all now come out. Yeah, so that's quite funny. Yeah, I'm loving the Adobe kind of range of um, AI things they're testing at the moment. I think it's great. What have you tested? Have Has you we seen any of it yet? Have you tried have any? I, seen, I was going through the beta page on uh, the uh, Adobe Creative Cloud. I haven't tried anything else yet because I am running Windows 10. And they don't allow you to run any of the new versions that are supposed to be running on Windows 11 at the moment, which is really annoying. And I don't know why they're doing that. That's, I'm sure the Windows 11 users make up probably less than 10% of all of their users. That's really strange. I know it is. And I don't understand why they've been doing that at all because it's uh, Windows 11 is just kind of an add on to Windows 10. They don't ever get rid of what was in the past. Okay. They just add on top of it or change certain bits. So I don't understand why they can't support Windows 10. No, that's strange. I've got the Photoshop beta, um, and I've been trying out the new Remove tool, remove tool um, which is basically a version of what Google's Magic Remove is on their Pixel phones. It's amazing. It's so good. They already had their content-aware kind of lasso tool, but now they've got this Remove tool, and it's, it is like magic. You can select any object within your your frame and just kind of roughly mark it out or mask it and it just disappears and AI rewrites the background in for you just like that. I think you showed me this with like some light switches you had in the background of an image that you just got rid of them through painting them out. Yeah, it's great. The um, the thing about calling something an AI though, is it AI? It's, uh, in my opinion, it's not. It's, it's machine learning. Machine learning, yeah. But I guess AI is a more entertaining thing to say instead of just machine learning. Or ML. It's going to get more more headlines than ML, isn't it? For sure. Yeah. But uh, I, don't, I don't actually know how these things are working. In fact, I imagine that uh, is machine no, learning. But then the no, audio one that we've spoken about off, off air, um, where Adobe has now, um, do you know what they call this feature? Uh, which feature? Uh, so yeah, Adobe like, Podcast uh, website have got a new feature they're testing that removes noise from the background i don't remember what they call it uh, I, th- I think it's called a voice clarity or something like that either way it's that i believe is ai because isn't it actively listening and working out the environment and working out what's going on and then using ai to replace parts of your voice to give it to replace the noise yeah it, it sounds like what it does is it um analyzes what you've been saying and then tries to stitch a new um sentence together over the top while not removing the background sound just lowering it yeah that's an important thing to know because uh, you may be using it thinking it will remove all background noise it doesn't do that we test uh i tested that with a coffee machine to mm-hmm. see what would happen and I think that is actually one of the best tests I did for it because it shows me exactly how it works. Mm. Because I, as I was saying before we started recording, it kind of made me sound like an alien because yeah. I wasn't speaking English. 
<laughs> nor was I saying any words. It's just, it just random letters being mixed together because it couldn't figure out what I was saying over the coffee machine. Yeah, and that's the AI, AI part, isn't it? Where it's trying to figure out what's happening on the fly and learn on the fly. Whereas machine learning, I guess, is a set of human parameters that are applied in a sequence of some sort. I don't yeah. know if I know the difference, to be honest. It's great, either way. I have a weird uh, thing to uh, talk about. Did I send you the um, Notion page, by the way? I'm sure you did. I'll send it to you anyway, again. Um, you do. Uh, I, I just wanted to talk about something that I find interesting. The fact that YouTube Studio has no widgets, which may seem like it comes out of nowhere, but I was thinking about this uh, a couple weeks ago. Okay. I was thinking... Although um, Android allows you to have widgets and they kind of started it really. I know uh, Apple had some at the beginning, but let's admit that Android widgets are the reason why Apple has the widgets hey, we have now. The original Apple widgets that used to be on your kind of dashboard were amazing. I used to have my countdown timer, my cinema review kind of widget. Yeah, they were great. But the customizability of the ones we currently got is because of Android. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And um, it interests me with all the widgets that they have. Google don't really have that many for their own products. They have it for um, screen time and a clock or the weather, but they really don't have it for... I would like there to be a counter that I can stick on my phone of uh, audience retention or subscriber rates so I could quickly look down to see how I'm doing on it, but they've got no widgets for that. Is that because they want to limit the kind of ability to track things in real time perhaps possibly um, but because I, I know with monetization and things like that um things change like at one point it would look a certain way and then they'll revise it so if you've got a widget that could be confusing yeah but they've added tools onto the website version uh you can have a live countdown of what's happening like uh, they added a better, uh, sorry let's write our own widget i'm sure if i asked chat gpt it can help me there <laughs> I, I, I've been doing my F&P work, which you know about, mm-hmm. and uh, we decided we were going to make it rewrite the F&P and see what it would do. I didn't use it. I just wanted to know what it would do. And we decided okay. um, I uh, we'd make it do it as if Darth Vader did it. And that was very entertaining. <laughs> What's that? Rewrote like your, your proposal or something? Yeah. It rewrote <laughs> the proposal in uh, Darth Vader's voice that's it was great so much fun and then we told it R2-D2 uh, to see what how it would get confused and what it did it just went beep boop boop and then said something really serious then beep boop 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 <laughs> that's great it's great I mean AI is, is great and I know we're going off on the side again and chat GPT and I used it for something the other day and it was to do with my DJ work and it was kind of compiling I got it to compile releases from a certain year that I'd forgot about so then I can look through these releases and pick out things I want to play and I thought this is actually a part of my job as DJ that I really enjoy and that I'm known for and that is my knowledge and of, of music from a certain era and being able to play songs that people can relate to or like but chat GPT is just like having this really annoying friend who's better than me beside me at doing it <laughs> And I can't ignore this friend because they've got vital information that I could use and it kind of diminishes my my role slightly, but I still have to use them. So I don't know how I feel about it for certain things. I mean, I can't ignore this newfound ability to recall all these songs, but at the same time, that's kind of what I get paid to do. Oh. That's happening across the world for everyone that is in the creative industry, I guess. Yeah. Which 
uh, is a huge surprise to me. I always thought it would be the non-creative industries that would get affected first, but it seems like they went straight for the creative industri- uh, industries. I think this is going to capture everything, isn't it? Eventually. Mm. Um, I want to ask, uh, how has your Da Vinci time been going? Oh, I've been using Da Vinci today. I absolutely love the layout. So let me just give the listeners some kind of perspective. So I've been a long time editor. Um, I started editing on VHS. So it was VHS to VHS um, with a nice little kind of graphics and titles machine in the middle hardware. I'm so glad I never had to do that. It was great. We loved, we loved it. It was amazing. Like the ability to put two things together to make something new was just mind blown. But anyway, moved on. I think the first timeline kind of um, non-linear timeline digital thing I ever used was Premiere Pro actually. Um, It was a really old version in about 2001. And then from about 2005, I was Final Cut all the way. I used Final Cut all the way up until about 2014, about a year I've after they switched. Final Cut. It's great. But in 2013, they switched to their new layout and lots was missing. And I needed the ability to um, to import from DVs. Um, you couldn't do it in a new Final Cut. So we went to Premiere Pro. And I've been happy with it. I know all my shortcuts. I'm fast with it. I know its limitations. It's great, but students keep talking about this DaVinci Resolve for the last three years, and it's a free bit of software. I don't know what student has been talking about it to you. That's ridiculous. <laughs> Plenty, including you. Um, and, and to me, I just saw it as freeware because it's free. I didn't really pay any attention to it because there's lots of freeware out there that kind of so, let you do some bits. Yeah, I, I had that same opinion the first time I used it because it was what I learned to edit in. Yeah. Um, I, yeah. So instead of having Adobe, I didn't have access to it entirely back then. I think I only had, um, after effects. Uh, so I learned on DaVinci because it was free and it is a lot better than Apple movie maker or, uh, sorry, windows uh, movie maker or uh, what's the one you get on iPads, even though you now get final cut as yesterday, as of yesterday on iPad, which is interesting. Yes, we'll get into that. But uh, wow, what is that other one? iMovie. iMovie. That's it. Um, I have a friend who edits an iMovie and it annoys me every time. <laughs> Do you see the same iMovie titles that come up? <laughs> yeah, always the same iMovie titles. Music. Everywhere. It's so painful. But uh, I will say with DaVinci, it's had a different effect on me than I was expecting. Because okay. I swapped um, to uh, Premiere Pro when I started doing um the media course uh and now i'm swapping back and i one thing i never got used to on premiere pro was using shortcuts i i know this is a terrible thing to say as an editor i always clicked the physical buttons on the screen right. and then sometimes remembered the shortcuts which slowed down editing so much yeah I know, it's, it's quite hard to edit without shortcuts yeah it is and i still did it yeah because i just never got used to their layout but the first thing i did when i got davinci was I um, went through their keyboard settings and set up a really quick keyboard thing of like uh, S is my split key and D is my delete key. Uh, A is every, uh, select everything in front. It's just amazing and I love it. Uh, one and two are zoom in and out. I don't yeah. know why I didn't do that initially. I don't know if I moved all those shortcuts to Premiere, would I be using Premiere still? I don't know. I, I think most in sound anyway, in audio, editing which is where i'm most comfortable we carry our shortcuts is what everybody does from software to software you don't learn these shortcuts because they've all got the same features just in different locations so you take them with you and you can that's why they have import your keyboard shortcuts but if you're into that why 
don't you get into kind of DaVinci Resolve's, what's it called? The speed editor, the hardware. Uh, oh, the, the, the really expensive equipment. <laughs> I don't, I, I looked into the speed editor. It's like 400, maybe 350. It's not that much money. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That sounds so cheap. I'm going to use a keyboard that did not cost that much. Okay. I hear your point. I hear your point. I just, no, if I had enough money to spend on all of that equipment, trust me, I would buy it and use it. Mm. But because I don't, I'm not going to buy it for a very long time. Yeah. And it's my saying is it's always best to become a master of what you have rather than buy everything and, and not use it completely. So become a master of your mm. keyboard. Great. I was watching uh, this guy do DIY yesterday. And instead of buying new camera equipment and everything, he spent it primarily on tools. Yeah. But that allowed him to do something interesting that I had never thought of. Um, he's using his iPhone and his Apple Watch and he's pressing play and start on his Apple Watch. For, which is, for what, sorry? For recording. Recording what? Uh, uh, sorry, a uh, video of him talking or um, moving, st- uh, the cutting stuff. Okay. I think that's a really cool thing. Yeah. <laughs> Why isn't that a feature with cameras? I want uh, a Canon Apple Watch button. Yeah. That would be great. It would require these companies to talk to each other. I mean, Apple, again, I'm in the Apple ecosystem. In my recording studio, I have a recording booth, which is a few meters away from the computer. So I can use my phone to kind of trigger the transport bar, record, stop, undo, things like that, which is great, making use of the tools that you already have in your pocket. Whereas a lot of big professional studios, you'd have kind of um mobile gear made by mackie or whoever that you could trigger those things from yeah hmm. uh i want to talk uh, also about a, a subject that i'm very much interested in okay. i like road as the company do you really though i mean i do even the road that gear that you have yeah okay i've had problems with the road gear that i have <laughs> which is why i'm not recording on the roadcaster right now i'm roading, uh, recording on the scarlet because it's more reliable but i like how cheap their equipment is for what it does I mean, right. the roadcaster is a really cool piece of equipment when it works yeah. because it, it allows you to interface so easily with recording online, which is a problem I used to have with an actual um, mixer that I have like right next to me. I, I hated using that thing because I ended up just having to put so many cables going out to everything to record online. And yes, you could get a DAC, but a DAC doesn't allow that many channels uh, unless you buy one of the really expensive ones, which is kind of what... The roadcaster is in a way. Yeah, I was going to say roadcasters and road gear in general is not cheap. Um, it's convenient. A lot of the things I can do on my roadcaster, as I stare at a roadcaster right now, I can do with a four-channel mixer or maybe an eight-channel mixer um, and a and a cheap interface for about fifty quid. But it's that time and that convenience and having to rewire, like you said, and having to get the drivers for the PC to be able to see this and see that that make it an issue. And the Roadcaster, the original, which is the only Roadcaster I've used, I can just push the fader up and hit the big red button. I mean, I'm I'm also on the original, so. So, um, what's the new stuff that you're into? The new stuff is I really like their their new capture cards streamer x thing because they've been working on this uh a new area of road for a while if i get up the website um as you oh, do wow. that they kind of dip their toe into it with an update for the roadcaster where they let you trigger scenes from the pads on the roadcaster do you remember that during yes lockdown? yeah yeah but now they've kind of added the capture card to it it's, it's kind of like getting the roadcaster and the uh, black magic atm and mixing them together exactly to make, that yeah yeah it's amazing, and I'm 
probably going to buy one once it's out. Is there an RRP for it yet? An RRP? Oh, uh, no. Oh, actually, pre-order uh, button has appeared now on the website. Okay, so what's the price? I'm going to get it now. I before you get it, I predict it's going to be three nine nine. Very close in a way. Three forty nine. Okay, and That's how many bad. inputs is that? That's two audio inputs. Is that right? Uh, I don't know. Let me have a look. And it kind of is, for video. This is one audio input. With well, a, uh, combined you get two jack. because you get one on the back combi jack, and then you get one on the front. So yeah. you get a TRRS input on the front, which is a headphones I input. One on there. So the headphone input, you can put a gamer headset in. I see the TRS on the back. Okay. That's TRRS, yeah. TRRS. I also like the fact that it allows you to plug in two computers because it's obviously targeted towards streamers, but that can be used for many other things. Tell me what, because I saw the guy pitching this um, at whatever convention it was, and he said you can use two PCs, and my little mind couldn't work out why I'd need two PCs. So for people who do streaming, uh, like game streams or stuff like that, Usually the games take up a lot of power on one computer. Right. So they're kind of splitting up the encoding and all all that on the other computer while they have the game on. So they have a two-computer setup. Right, so dedicated machine, I get you. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah, usually it also acts as uh, a huge store, uh, storage for server stuff as well. Okay. So they've been listening, obviously, to the users and and built it right first time. What's the general feedback from the gaming community? Are they all going to jump across? I haven't heard anything from the gaming community. Okay. Uh, it seems like nobody's noticed. I also uh, have to admit, I do like the Rodecaster backpack and the PodMic USB. I like the PodMic. I haven't seen the backpack. I'm sure it's great and it's actually a good idea. Because the roadcaster is always on the road. Um, but the pod so might be in USB. Great. Yeah. So the, I like the idea of that because I can then suggest that to people who don't want to get a DAC. Because I, I do, I'm using the um, pod mic right now right. To, to record this episode. And I, I have to get the XLR uh, com- combination, uh, which I prefer. But there are people out there who don't like XLR because it costs more money to get the DAC and everything. So... Yeah. And USB is easier for, to explain to people. I'd have to test, I'd have to A-B test, you know, the pod mic versus the USB mode and see what sounds the best, to be honest. If there is a fall off in quality, to me, you might as well just go ahead and get an XLR mic. Agreed, but yet again, it's, it's, I know someone from one of my other podcasts and I would gladly suggest this to them. So what's the other one? They've got pod mic. What's the one that I've got again? Uh, I don't know. So let me have a look. Are you not speaking into a I'm not on my roadcaster right now, so um, I'm at another um, place. So I've got the... I have the, the pro version of it. If I go to the products, I'm on the website right now. I've got the... Do... I guess have a look. Uh, you may be talking about... There's the NT-USB, but that's probably not what you're oh, talking no, about. I have you're probably talking mic, about sorry. the Procaster. Yes, yeah, so you've got the Procaster and the Pod mic. I've got the Pod mic. So is that USB, a USB version of mine? The, the, I believe there might already be one. I, I think they announced it earlier. Yeah, there we go. Uh, Podcaster, very confusing name. So we've got Procaster, yep. Pod mic, Pod mic USB, and Podcaster. Oh, wow. Podcaster is a USB one. Right, okay, I understand. Okay, yeah, so I've got my Pod mics, and I've, I'd be interested if they came out of a USB version of mine. I don't think they will, because because of the price point but also i've got a roadcaster one i can't even use it what, what do you mean doesn't have a usb input well nor does the second one the second one's usb inputs for a different reason not for microphone input but the software update allows it to be used for a microphone input does it yeah Ooh. 
Game changer. Um, I, yeah, again, I don't think this is, this is for someone who's doing podcasting alone. <laughs> they're, 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 if they're at their own house and they're like, I am, and technically you are, we're talking into a microphone. We don't really need the mixer part of it. We just need the DAC part of it to mm-hmm. talk to each other. That's probably why they would need it. Yeah. The, 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 um, the, the, uh, the bag is really cool. I'm going to look at it has, right now. The bag has uh, two sp- slots for keeping the boom arms in, cable area and microphone area, and a Ooh. charging part, I think, for it. I'm looking at I it right think. now. This is lovely. Yeah. Now, that is something I'm very tempted to buy. <laughs> I mean, do you move around a lot? If you move around a lot, great. But if you don't... I do not at the moment, but the plan is for the movie podcast to do out, that out and about at some point. That being screen free. I've got so I probably wouldn't buy it after testing. Yeah, nice flight case. You can customize the cushion in, stick whatever you need in there, and it's hard back. I, it's been a temptation for me to get a Pelican case and kind of drill holes in the back for uh, to make it a permanent case for the Roadcaster. Yeah, I do love... Um, I mean, it's such a game changer, the Roadcaster. Not many people appreciate... When I, when I first saw it, I can't remember how I came across it, and I first saw it and I could see everything that that does that takes my time to set up i was the most excited i've ever been and i bought it without even kind of looking much past that i think i paid 429 pounds for mine i got it before the big price hike um but the convenience of having all of that control i often compare it to our um our desk at the college that we've got a broadcast desk for radio which costs around 15k new and the roadcast can do 95% of that and sounds amazing, just as good for this 400 quid. It's great. I, uh, when it came to the roadcaster, I heard about it a, a while ago, but I didn't, I wasn't interested in it until I watched this guy called Tom Buck. Right. And he pretty much uh, talks about all the equipment he has in detail, uh, but he loves the roadcaster. He just keeps it there for every bit of recording on any, anything he does. Ooh, and. Yeah, he he fully sold me on buying one. Did you pay the the hike version or the original price? I probably played the hike version because now it's ridiculous, right? Now I think it's too much money. I wouldn't buy a Rodecaster two or Rodecaster whatever's current. I wouldn't pay six hundred pounds and above because really at that point I can get myself a really nice small mixer, some really high quality cables, and a nice little one channel or stereo interface for half the price. Well, you could also instead of getting um. The Roadcaster, there is the Zoom podcaster. Don't like it. You, see, you don't like it? No. Uh, that's the exact reason why I didn't buy it as well. <laughs> I, I I think it works very well. It uh, All the buttons make sense. It, for me, it's too plasticky. Yeah. The, 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 it's even more convenient because you can put batteries in it. It has still, more inputs as well. Say again? It has more mic inputs as well. So, yeah, it's a more convenient thing. Mm. But both of us just went mm, Roadcaster. Yeah. Yeah, the roadcaster just looks like something that's going to last a long time, and it's simple. I can give it to someone and say, "Look, just start this recording for me." They're not going to get it wrong. Mm. Uh, have you looked at Apple's new iOS leaks? Right. So, I did want to talk about this. The iOS leaks themselves. I saw some screen caps, but I immediately got distracted by Apple's release of their Pro audio and video hardware for their iPads and software. Sorry for the iPads. So. I'm not sure if that's strategic because these leaks have come out and they wanted to say, hey, look this way. Uh, But they kind of came across my desk at the same time. So I saw the leaks, uh, but I haven't paid too much attention. So do tell. Well, so the first thing is the, oh, I just closed it. Uh, The new control center rumor is interesting. The fact that they are 
uh, is talked about that they're going to change the control center. You got a picture? Which I think is both good and bad. I do not have a picture, no. Because it is only rumored that it's going to happen. Uh, no actual solid evidence that it's going to happen. Uh, I'm going to need to get up Mastodon to double check everything. So what's the idea? So you can change control center around or, or what? It's supposed to be to make it more inconvenient. I think I saw the more people adding uh, more convenience. Sorry. <laughs> Uh, to, to put in um, widgets into it so uh, you don't have widgets. to have wow. widgets on the, the home screen or anything. And maybe I think they're changing the HomeKit integration. HomeKit's um, not really working, is it? I've got no. countless smart things in my house and HomeKit always struggles to communicate with the hub of whatever their thing is and the names never come across properly and it's, I don't really use it. I'm trying to look for the leaks now. I'm trying, I've forgotten... Where they've all gone. Uh, what was this um, home kit? So Apple, um, so the big guys, Apple, Samsung, and uh, Amazon were going to come together and make this one standard, weren't they? That makes home kit work of everything. Yes. That, um, Did that ever happen? It's right. So that's technically happening at the moment. Okay. With all these other companies, they're all taking a standard. I'm trying to remember what the name of it is. My brain keeps going meta, but that's not it. No. Um, oh, what is the? But if that's the case, wouldn't that fix HomeKit anyway? Yeah, it's not fixing HomeKit in that way. It's more fixing the integration or uh, with buttons and ease because it's supposed to kind of uh, automate your life, right? Mm-hmm. And people have been finding that it doesn't work. It just gets it more complicated. Yeah. Uh, I'm so prepared for this now. It's all gone. Come on. Beyond myself. Um, and maybe my wife, HomeKit's not being used by anybody I know because it, it's not really necessary. If you've got smart lights, you're likely just to use the smart switch or the smart app or the voice control. Um, you don't need another application tagging along trying to put it all in one place. It's supposed to be... So for people who own multiple um, uh, buildings, like work and then house or another house, I don't know why, um, it's supposed to be that when you enter that location, your phone switches to, uh, to that location's HomeKit system. Okay. But that's not been working. Right. I cannot find any of the leaks now. This is great. It would be nice if they fixed that and made it useful. But like Siri, I think that what they're going to find hard is for people to adapt to it. People still laugh when I use Siri because I use Siri to say, you know, remind me to go to the dentist tomorrow. And people kind of rub a neck and go... What's going on? What are you doing? And I don't see many other people using Siri like that because it just becomes another thing on top of the thing that you actually want to do. Oh, here we go. Uh, I did you do two iOS changing leaks, including Apple Maps live activity for the lock screen from Ooh, phone area? Yeah, so they're changing how wallpaper works. Uh, they're going to be making it so uh, you can have more options. Okay. So before you had to swipe left and right, I think now you can have a uh, free by uh free by free of how many uh wallpapers you want oh don't care i don't think that, that's <laughs> that important no don't care at all I've, um, I've still got the wallpaper on my phone is still the uh the fishes in the fish tank that's how much i care i yeah i've don't like the new system uh, for the wallpaper i don't like the new font i like the original font why do they do this Oh, you can change your font, right? Yeah, I know, but just keep it to the original font. Stop adding things to the... You're not an Apple user, though, are you? So No, I'm fine. not, so I'm fine. <laughs> Go with Android. You can have whatever you want, as long as you're prepared to dig through hundreds and hundreds of apps. and then you... I, I need to go back to Apple. I do miss it. Come back. Come back. 
join us. Yes, join us. No, don't join us. Um, so as you're looking for that, I wanted to talk about the um, Final Cut and more importantly to me, Logic Pro. Now, I saw the screens, I saw the ad, I read the descriptions on the page and the features and like everything I saw, I was impressed with until I got to the price. Why are they oh doing God, a subscription model? Oh, so yeah, I, Logic Pro I, I saw that as well. is five or four ninety nine a month or fifty pound a year on a subscription based model, and I just thought it was that's a disaster. Most pros have purchased Final Cut or Logic Pro, in my case, Logic Pro, for wherever it was two hundred quid, and they're expecting that to either be an add on or an update to Logic Pro eleven, and you get you know the whole system together. I think they've really missed like dropped the ball there, and they're probably shot themselves in the foot. The bit that annoys me the most about that, though, is are you really going to be sat there editing all the time on your iPad? No. Although, or are you going to be editing mostly on your computer? The answer is computer, because yeah. you're not going to spend all that time on a portable device. No. And that confuses me, because now you're paying a subscription for a, a monthly subscription for a device you may use every so often to do editing. Exactly. Not all the time. It's completely... They've missed the market. The market is... The producer, I'm going to keep talking about Logic because I don't use Final Cut, but the producer who makes tracks in Logic Pro in a studio and may want to mix something offline or maybe want to you know, work on an arrangement offline before they go back to the studio. So it's that convenient thing to do on the train or in bed and get back to the studio when you want to really monitor the proper environment and kind of do it properly with your hardware. I'm not even sure, and I don't know if I read it, if it's compatible to go back and forth like that. That'd be interesting to see. Hmm. I, I saw a, an interesting uh, announcement yesterday. It popped up on my phone. Uh, someone saw a leak that they have ported Final Cut already to their um, AR thing. What's it called again? The, uh, the, well, it hasn't got a name, has it? Has it not got a name? Okay. The AR thing, All right. which is really cool. Because imagine editing in that workspace. Well, with your fingers. Yeah. Uh, well, it's, it's, not, it's not the editing with your fingers. I mean, you could probably still use a keyboard to do all the shortcuts and everything. Mm. But just the amount of space you would have to do things. Your screen is unlimited uh, in, uh, by that time. Suppose, yeah, you can have all of your different work, uh, what they call the workspaces, all around you in a circle, couldn't you? You could spin around and go to your color grading wall and turn around and go to your kind of audio editing wall. That'd be quite cool. You'd be Iron Man, the video editor. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that'd be great. I could be walking down the road to work, editing video with a headset on, maybe. That'd be very confusing for anyone else behind you. <laughs> <laughs> maybe not. I'd chip on some curbs. I actually um, went around my uh, friend's house recently and used his VR headset. Yeah. And I, I didn't use it to play VR games this time. I wanted to see what it's like to use it as a work thing. And... I honestly see that as the future now. That is amazing to sit there in VR and AR now mm. and use it to work on stuff. I was just sat there using Chrome. Uh, I think actually he was using Opera. I don't like Opera. Uh, to go and use social media and stuff like that. And it just felt really nice not having a screen in a way. It was just an unlimited opportunity. Okay, so here's my question. This is the 40-year-old Eli question. Are we not training ourselves to kind of isolate ourselves from the world a bit more by doing that when you're on social media or chrome or opera you can still look up and have a kind of peer at the person in the room with you and kind of give them a smile or a nod or answer a question in vr you're kind of just saying 
I'm in this world, you're in that world. Well, I think that depends on the situation you're in. If you're in a, a workplace, an actual workplace, not just at your house, I think that's a different situation. You'd probably want to use a screen then. Yeah, because a lot of times in a, in a in an office space, at least, you have to communicate quickly. But, but the big question is now, could you replace screens at your house? If it was cheap enough, we've got to put that in because it's not at the moment. Again, would you so- replace all your screens? No, because the social thing, what about if, if some people casually pass by? Have you got to give them a headset? It's not going to happen. I saw it with with 3D. I went and bought a £1,500 3D TV because I thought, <laughs> I thought, yeah, everyone's going to come around and watch Avatar and 3D. No one wants to put the headset on. So you end up not watching the TV. And I've got a feeling we're going to be back there again. But then that also brings up something that I found very interesting. I was watching YouTube on through the VR headset and you could make that into a cinema. Oh yeah, because you you got the uh, screen space is unlimited. I guess it's amazing. I I think that was my favorite thing to do. Just sat there, put it on a big screen. I mean, I I turned my uh, I turned the setup into an IMAX theater just in VR, which <laughs> I should point out IMAX should do that. Yeah, just publish an app to put on Apple or something that actually allows you to watch IMAX in that aspect ratio. That'd be amazing. If you've just thought of that, they're already working on that. Yeah, that's a fair point. For sure. Have. For sure. But you know what? I think what could, could solve that issue would be a pass-through mode. So on your headphones, you've got a pass-through button so you can hear people from the outside and it even enhances that. Perhaps if they had a visual pass-through where you could just tap the side and all of a sudden you're looking out of your eyes, that could work. Rather there than are to take it off. VR headsets I've seen in the past where they project, uh, like use the cameras that they have to track your eyes and showed them on the front. I wouldn't like that, but I, that's what that's supposed to do. So they put your eyes on the front. Yeah, so they, they have a screen on the front of it and it just kind of uses the cameras that they have in there to show your eyes on the front of the VR headset. <laughs> what? No. I, it's really, <laughs> really weird. Uh. <laughs> Yeah, that's not that's not gonna take off. No, <laughs> you're gonna scare little children. Uh, that's great. If you could use AR, would you use it? I think I would use it if I was in a studio environment. So, if I'm working in my studio, most of the time I'm on my own because I'm mixing something for you know up to six hours at a time. I would use it then for sure because I know nobody's coming in. I've got this big space that I can kind of look a bit silly in, I guess. And, and work away and be more productive. So, yeah, I would. Then that brings me to a, another question of, what's your opinions on the metaverse? Oh. Yeah, I know. Um, I, I like the concept of the metaverse. I do. It's great. The concept that you can work with people that you couldn't necessarily work with on a daily basis or be in spaces with people and, and share experiences. I just don't like the fact that it's being spearheaded by people that are just going to try and monetize every part of it. Yeah. Um, I've seen, oh, well, I, I say I've seen, I've been listening to uh, about two podcasts about this subject, uh, one being Cortex and the other one being called Upgrade. And they are uh, testing it for meetings, sitting there in meetings because they're a company, uh, this is Relay, they're a company that is spread across the world. They're, this is the best way to have their meetings. And they're saying it's a really interesting way. Uh, and it, it's compared to doing a normal meeting, you can follow people's eyes in it. Yeah. So you can see where they're looking, whether if they're paying attention mm-hmm. and if they're yeah. uh, wanting to 
know about a subject more because they can literally raise a hand instead of pressing a button or yeah, yeah. trying to get people's attention through a Zoom call. And I think it's a really interesting way to do the meta, uh, have this metaverse, but it has huge problems. Like, like the um, the characters don't look right. I think everyone admits that that they're they're a bit weird, and they've kind of added ads already into it. Oh, see, no one's even got it yet, and it's got adverts. <laughs> as well as it, I've been okay. Uh, one of the stupidest things I've ever heard, um, and this is going to sound weird. At initial start, initial start. There are no female bodies in it. Okay, every every person looks like a male person. If they're a, if they want to identify as a female, they can't. They look male. Because men made it. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure that will change. And it will change. I think they've already announced they're going to change that. But that is a really bad start. Mm. Yeah. already closing it off to a, a very small, well, I say small, a, a certain amount of people. Yeah. Well, 50% of the people, right? Yeah. 51% in some places. It's, yeah. He's got a long way to go and your children will be more open to the idea of that. But I don't think it's going to happen really in your your work lifetime. No, we've gone through these subjects quite fast, actually. I have one more thing to talk about then. Let's go. What, um, Max App Corner. Max App Corner. Let's go. Well, uh, music. Da, da, da. Um, <laughs> I want to suggest another app. And it's an app I've been using a lot and discussing in class. I like Obsidian. Obsidian. Okay. Tell me about this Obsidian. So Obsidian is a um, kind of a, a markdown writing tool. If you don't want to know what markdown is. It's a, a writing format. That makes sense? Yeah. Uh, I love it. It's it made it a lot easier to do the work I do. I primarily write my scripts in it, as well as having ChatGPT help me. And it has become one of the best ways for me to do any work. I don't, I used to use uh, Google Docs. Yeah. I do not, I no longer use Google Docs because I like the shortcuts and the customizability of uh, of using Obsidian. Okay. I would recommend it to anyone Obsidian. who wants to start doing a lot of writing. So it's a productivity tool, basically. Yes. Okay. Let's ask you a question. I, At this point in your life, do you think you'll ever be going back to Microsoft Office? No. 365? No. <laughs> I, I, so I never liked uh, Word. I'll give you... Uh, when we were told to use it in high school, I... I denied using it the entire way through because right. I wouldn't use it. I absolutely hated the format. It feels wrong to me. It made me not want to do the work. So I straight up in year seven went on to Google Docs straight away. Okay, and although I don't feel that Google Docs is the best way, it was better than Word. That's really interesting because Microsoft, I do feel, I don't feel sorry for Microsoft, but I do feel for them, they're a bit like Sony and televisions. They kind of got caught slipping a bit. They thought they were the standard and nobody else could do it like them. And, you know, Google came and took their lunch money really yeah. um, because they got into the online business first, whereas Microsoft was still saying, you've got to have this license and you've got to have the whole of the office package. You couldn't just buy Microsoft Word on its own. You know, you had to buy the whole package back in the day in a cardboard box. And, um, you know, school said, well, actually, there's a free way we can do that. Google. See you later. Um, so with Google at my high school, um, my teachers hated me using it. They always okay. complained about the fact that I was using it. And then around about year eight, no, sorry, year nine, it became a standard at the school. Yeah. As well as at the exact same time, they got a load of Chromebooks. Yeah, money. So Google really went into advertising all of their education systems. Money, which brings me on to Obsidian. As great as it might be, will it be able to kind of get into enough hands? What do you mean? It's free. It's free, but is it going to be able to penetrate those markets? What sort okay, of thing so is going to get it into those really markets? It's not really targeted at education. I'll tell you that. It's not 
a easy thing to use. You've got to kind of learn, or it's not learn, it's you're learning how you work with Obsidian. It's not, not free. how I've just checked it out. What do you mean? It's free for the personal license. Yeah, not for company. Commercial is $50. Yeah, but it's also, I think it's a one time pay, isn't it? Or is it per user per year? Oh, yeah. So, I mean, these, these. Like Microsoft Word, these apps rely on penetration. They rely on you to be able to know that someone else is using them. Otherwise, we'd all be using Lotus Writer or whatever it used to be called. You probably can't remember that one. I um, do not remember that one. Or Pages, you know, but Pages is a superior product than Microsoft I Word. I have to admit, I really like Pages. But I don't use it. I know it's better, but I don't use it because no one else does. I stopped uh, using it, uh, well, when I left Apple because I don't have it on Windows. <laughs> Uh, I did really like it, but uh, the only problem is its iPad variant isn't that good. Okay, right. I haven't used that one. But tell me more about this software then. Uh, it's, it's hard to explain. Obsidian works by you making a vault. And a vault is very confusing to anyone who f- first uses Obsidian, which is why it's a pain in the ass. They should really explain that when you first open it. And uh, a vault just means all of your data is kept in one location. in a tiny packet of information. Okay. Uh, I have... Uh, I've called mine my cortex as a reference to one, a podcast I listen to, and to my brain. Um, and it's just a, an area I keep all my scripts, my notes, and everything I'm planning for. It. Okay. Like for functions, when I gave you the pitch for this show, I wrote it entirely in um, Obsidian and master uh, no not Mastodon, a markdown. Okay. And it is, yeah, one of my favorite ways of doing this now. Uh, whenever I come up with uh, plans, I straight away go on, onto Obsidian, take all my notes down, uh, and then uh, so I'll do two pages of notes, then one page of the final project, and put it on there. It, it, as I said, it's difficult to explain uh, this. It's more a thing you've got to try. Well, their tag, watch- tagline on their website is a second brain for you forever. Yeah. What could... What do they mean by a second brain? Is there some sort of intelligence that's helping you with your notes? No. It, 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 it just means a, 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 an area for you to keep all your notes. It's just a fancy way of saying this is your notes area. Okay. So there's no ML or AI involved in it. Ah, okay. So when you were looking at the pricing, the commercial is because of um, uh, sync. Okay. So that, uh, you can do this without ha- having uh, with it only being stored on your computer. Mm-hmm. And that's free. But you can find ways around it, like using iCloud or my new favorite of using GitHub, which okay. I will say is a very confusing system. But once you've, it's actually a quite simple process to get it up and running. Right. And then you can have it auto backup. If you ever do find it interesting to give um, Obsidian a go, my first tip, download the, uh, you, you'll have to go into uh, a, uh, the settings, go to your parents, and now allow custom appearances and stuff and always install the theme minimal. Okay. I'm on it right now. So I'm going to go to manage, look for minimal. Oh, it comes up straight okay. away. There's minimal. So uh, and you, you, add, you download that theme and you add it and you enable it and all that. And as soon as you've done that, that is uh, way better than the uh, initial look. Okay. <laughs> because well, I find I've that the initial now. look puts you off the uh, program. Cool. Well, I've got it here. Uh, we'll give it a go. I'll write a few notes on it. In fact, I'm going to keep my chat gpt library that's creating me in here and organize it in here and see how it goes you can also add if i think you have to pay the subscription though for um chat gpt but you can uh add chat gpt integration with it oh good Brilliant. i as i said I, I love this thing and it just keeps all my notes and i've added add-ons to make my life easier which i'll probably tell you a later time off podcast
off podcast. Brilliant. Well, thanks for that. I've enjoyed being in Max Corner today. Always learning something. That is also everything uh, done. We, we can end the episode. It can be done. How do you want to end it, Mac? Are you going to give our listeners something new to try out at home? What do you mean? I don't know. Here's well, okay, my so what? I'll give you a little hint. The next episode, we will be doing it after the uh, Apple event, the WWDC event, because oh, I want to talk about that. I'm rubbing my hands together if you can't hear. I'm looking forward to this. I'm very much looking forward to that episode as well. Uh, also, there might be some changes around Press Red, uh, changing name and stuff. Don't worry about it. We'll still be exactly the same. Yeah. Uh, so that, that's it. I'll do the outro now. You can check out Eli's work on his YouTube channel, WTKA, or follow me at uh, MacBlah at mastodonapp.co.uk. You can send your questions to us on Twitter at PressRedPod or the Mastodon page. Thank you for listening to this episode of Functions, and we'll see you next time.